0: Good morning, I greet each of you in Christ's name this morning, I trust you find it a privilege to be able to open your eyes and rise with strength and thought and go about this Sunday and I pray that, that our minds would be directed in a way that God's name would be honored and glorified and His Kingdom exalted here in the earth. Uh, not totally sure what inspired Justin to leave that hymn, but I was touched by it in a number of ways. As I reflected over the past weeks um, during our time there in in Puerto Rico, we enjoyed a refresh time of refreshment, and of course received the news of Brother Keith's passing. But I had to reflect on the. The acknowledgement of God's timing, but also the example of a life lived without regret. I thought that's such a, a blessing for us to to look at and think on from time to time, again, knowing that it is because of what God brought about in that life. It wasn't because of Brother Keith. It was the grace of God. And I guess <clears throat> For you and I this morning, do I have an interest in the grace of God in my life, in your life to that extent and purpose? We welcome each one gathered here this morning. For a message today, I would invite you to Proverbs chapter 3, as I was pondering the message I had to think about. Proverbs 3 3 relates quite a lot to right relationships with God, with man, with wisdom, and we want to look at a very familiar passage and yet try to look at it more in-depth perhaps and sometimes we often take an overview of it. Um, Right relationships in life bring a degree of freedom and joy into life's happenings, do they not? And we go throughout life's activities and we are relating in a proper way with those around us, with the authorities around us and the land in which we find ourselves pilgrims in. It allows us to move with freedom, with a sense of peace and security in that environment. I hadn't given a lot of thought to, to the extent of the Sunday school lesson this morning. I thought perhaps the message this morning could follow the lesson title for our Sunday school class. That title was the test of love. Perhaps the title for the message ought to be the test of trust. The test of trust. Laying a foundation for the message, I want to go ahead and read first part of Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments, for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than of fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things thou canst desire not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand, riches and honor." I'll leave off reading there. Uh, um, notice the, the comparison in the last verses 14 and 15, the comparison of what can be attained on, of earthly material, tangible value or wealth compared unto that which comes from a right relationship with God. One of the aspects that we see in the writing of the Proverbs is the fact that the writer sets forth many reminders of the comparison between our carnal tendency of how we see things, how we assess things, versus the long-term effect of those things as we look at, at um, how God sees them. So I'd like to, to give you just a couple of points to consider as we look at this passage this morning. One being, we are, as we gather here, we come to gather in, in the name of God. We come to worship Him through Jesus. We come to honor Him. We come to learn of Him. We come to serve Him. We come to praise Him so it is right in in that regard that we see things that we seek to see things from god's perspective and i think just as sometimes we evaluate our love we do well to think and evaluate our trust in god now there's a couple of words used here in this passage, and I'll be focusing primarily for the text from verses 5 and 6, but there's a couple of occasions the word all is used. You know, from little up, we're taught what that means. The little child finishes his drink, and it's ollie olly, when you can tip up the cup and no more comes out. There's no more drops to fall. It's Ollie Ollie. It's all been consumed. So as we seek to understand and learn of God's perspective, we learn and are taught of God's principles. And as we assess and and ponder those principles that we learn through knowing God and His Word, it sets forth a direction of travel, a path. You know, nowadays we're so quick to think, well, I'm going to go so and s- from point A to point B, and, and with the harried pace of time, we're pretty quick to check the GPS. Well, how long does it take, and is there traffic on 81? And on and on the questions can go. We want to know, and God wants us to know that in Him, when we pass the test of trust, that there is that surety that He will give us His perspective. He will give us the principles we need, and He will strengthen us in walking in the paths He has set forth before us. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. How do I know God? One of the elements of being able to trust God is is the ability to acknowledge him. You know, we could analyze any of the relationships here between any of us that we know each other on varied levels, and yet some of us would know others better than some others would. So our understanding of them would vary because of how much we do know or how much we don't know about each other. But one thing is sure, even in human relationships, our ability to trust is enhanced the more we know and interact. We know we develop the ability to understand our our um, each other and, and operate on the basis of that knowledge. And as we are called to trust in the Lord with all our heart, all thine heart, this morning I trust that, that we do some things to make, make it possible for us to acknowledge Him as we ought. Um, if we are to trust Him with all our heart, then He calls us to acknowledge Him in all our ways as well. And that trust is enhanced, the foundation for that is laying in knowing God and in recent times you may recall some of the messages that I have brought in recent months had to do with the conveyance of information, the building of faith, the conveyance of, of a knowledge to build a life of faith on, on history, on past generations, on current settings and, and so forth. And our trust in God will be limited by how well we know God. And therefore, we are called to read. We are called to study. We are called to pray. We are called to observe life from God's perspective. And as we come to know him, we trust him because he is our God, we, we come to embrace Him, we come to reach out in faith and respond to Him in faith. But that is a process, that is a long process in which each one of us in our, our varied ways with our goodly heritage or not, we come to understand the Word of God, we come to take it that it is true, that it is it is the Word of God expressed through the prophets, through the Old Testament, through the words of Christ referring to the Psalms, the prophets and the Law laying the foundation. We come to understand it based on the, the ongoing element of the apostles being disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ and recording His life and actions and leading out in the early days of the early pilgrim church there in the New Testament record. And it's when we see that and we are challenged by it, our trust in God is increased. Our confidence in Him is built because we confide in Him. Notice in Proverbs chapter 28, Proverbs 28 verse, I'm sorry, 26 verse 12. The need for us to trust in God is foundational. Proverbs 26 verse 12 says, Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit, There is more hope of a fool than of him. Am I convinced this morning that there is more virtue in trusting in God than anything of my perspective? When we think of a fool, that which is fool describes, we would think that that is a very hopeless state to be in. A very poor position and yet he says here if we fail to trust God with all our heart he said, there's more hope of a fool than where we find ourselves and that is a picture of true hopelessness is it not it's interesting to note that what does it mean to trust We've probably discussed that through the years from time to time and conversation to conversation. As I was preparing for the message this morning, my mind went back to a day, I think it was a Sunday afternoon. Years and years ago, uh, many of the youth were up on Skyline Drive and we were down at one of the, I'm not sure if it was South River Falls, one of the falls, and a few of us young fellows were Kind of climbing up the side of this one fall there and we got to a point that <clears throat> I think I was one of the younger youth at that point and we got to a point where there was no way to get from this place to the next place to get on up the the rock <clears throat> the rocks there without um, some assistance but the dilemma was that there were some bigger fellows with us older fellows that had the Breadth and span to be able to reach the next point to pull themselves up. but there was that one little tree sticking out of the rock there that made a good handhold, but it was out there beyond my reach. If I'd have been able to reach that tree, yeah it it looked secure, it looked. Worthy of my trust. (laughs) But the problem was, how was I going to surely get there? Because if I didn't, then what? Gravity would have a field day. And as, I guess it was Sister Sue Anderson's brother, was the one that was up above, and he says, come on, you can make it, just give me your hand. Just grab my wrist. And you know, I had to stop and, and think a little bit as a young fellow. I thought, Is, do I really want to do this? Was I willing to trust him enough to get me from the point where I was to where I needed to be to continue on? And um, it was a good exercise in thought, and he was trustworthy. But it made me think, you know, in that brief moment, my life was not in my control. Am I okay with God being in control of all my heart, of all my ways? You know, I was leaning quite a bit on my own understanding of the the potential dangers of that circumstance. There is virtue this morning, dear ones, in trusting in the Lord with all our heart. realizing that there is need for us to rely on His Word, on the Spirit's direction to, to lift us up, to sustain us, to equip us to go forward, to plant each footstep in front of the last, that we would not do it in a way that dishonors God, that brings into jeopardy our relationship with Him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Sometimes it's in those moments of, as I shared that illustration, that we think about it more. But if we are to trust Him with all of our heart, how much of our heart can we reserve for our own perspective, for our own thoughts, our own fears. I trust you can look back in your life and say, yes, God has been faithful to me. I've failed him many times, and yet there have been times when I've trusted him and I've, I've acknowledged that before that experience, I didn't trust him as I should have. But the concept of being able to trust Him with all of our heart has the, a lot to do with the following phrase, and it says, and lean not into that own understanding. The Spanish Bible says, don't prop yourself up with your own opinion, your own perspective. It says, don't, you know, how often are we able to justify ourselves in, in some element of life because of how we see things and I think one of the elements of trusting God with all our heart is our desire to, to be in that place of protection to the point that we aren't afraid to ask those around us for input, for counsel, for direction. yet sometimes we struggle with what Isaiah 55, I invite you to Isaiah 55 reminds us of very familiar verses here, verses 8 and 9. We've heard probably from little up, many of us that are have enjoyed the blessing of being taught for many years that God's ways are far above our ways. Here we have those verses. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Should it surprise us then to realize that we may not have the inside track on God's thoughts? We may not know up front what his thoughts are on a matter. They may not correlate with our perspective. But here again, we are looking for his perspective. That's one of the beauties of the scriptures that they teach us. Of the sovereignty of God, of the knowledge, his omnipotence, His omniscience in all ways and in all of life that help us to truly confide and apply it in such a way that we can build on the basis of our own data bank of where God has been trustworthy. Where we entered into aspects of decisions of surrender knowing that God came through. He bore us up on His everlasting arms. As we come to know Him, it is out of that that the heart of praise is cultivated because God has blessed us. We've seen His his wisdom. We've seen His blessing. We've acknowledged that He ruled and overruled. No, not in every way that we may have anticipated, but for the sake of His kingdom, He directs. In verse 6, it talks about the acknowledgement that is there, that is to be there in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Um, I think some of the English versions, and and I know the the Spanish uses a word, when you think of direct, my mind goes back to the illustration I used earlier of the GPS, we like the shortest route from point A to point B, don't we, generally speaking, most of the time. But the path of man can be a very zigzaggy trail. When man makes his own travel plans apart from God, it can lead all over the hills and the valleys of this world. But he says, and he shall direct thy paths. He shall make straight. He shall, I think some of the English versions use that term, make straight. The word the Spanish uses, I like it because "make straight" is okay. It sounds sort of Dutchy in, in a way for some of you that would know that, but but not, I'm not an authority on the Dutch either. So, but in the Spanish, it, it means to take that which is crooked and and straighten it up. To take failed man and to make it straight. To make it the right way, the right path the shortest and worthwhile path from point A to point B. That only comes as we acknowledge Him in all our ways, acknowledging Him in all our ways. We do that as we grow in our trust of God, in knowing Him, in communicating with Him, in talking to God as we go about life. There's something else that we need to, want to look at with you in these verses and actually it's Comes out in verse 7, more so. But as we learn of God, as we talk with Him, as we relate to Him, if we truly trust in Him, we take His counsel, we take His advice, we take His direction. That's what makes our paths get straightened out. That's what makes our ability to depart from evil. And I'd like to look at that in verse 7 says, Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. Here again we have an, a reference to that our own perspective or our own opinion that so often we can find is, is, um, is lacking. He says, Be not wise in thine own eyes. There's another verse that comes to mind, you know, I don't have it noted here, I think it may be, it's in Proverbs somewhere, but it talks about, um, it's a reference to a slothful person, but it's, it, it correlates the fact that their perspective is built on their own perspective, and it's a perspective that seven other people's perspective couldn't change. But it gives the idea and it reminds us that that or many others are not the right place to be uh, before God, but to look to Him as our source of direction. It says, fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now sometimes someone here this morning made a, a comment that they were traveling and they found themselves in the uh, more of an influence of the general society and the influences of darkness around us. But it says, and depart from evil. What element of evil do you have, do I have to depart from? Sometimes it's easy for me to look around and, and um, come up with a comment or an observation on others. But for the most part, and I think you could do the same, but for the most part, the place you and I all have that we are responsible for and can act upon by the grace of God in departing from evil is that which is within us. Departing from evil. Can you imagine... the clouded thought process to be contemplating being a child of God and having a heart of evil. Can you understand that confusion? Can you understand that impossibility? And so, as our desire to trust in the Lord increases, our commitment to Yielding up our own perspective, our own opinion, and committing it fully into God's hand for direction through His Word, through His Spirit, through the counsel of others of the Kingdom, it changes and it allows us to depart from evil. I invite you to Psalm 86. I use the illustration of the confusion between a heart that is trusting in God and a heart that is harboring evil. Psalm 86 uh, verse 11 is a particular verse, maybe I'll begin reading in verse 10 and a little bit beyond. Beginning in verse 10, For Thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth, unite my heart to fear thy name. There he's saying, Fix my dividedness, the potential of my divided perspectives. I will praise thee, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. And I will glorify thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. So I wanted to refer to that here as we think about the the need to depart from evil in verse 7. That we need truly the work of of God in cleansing us and keeping us pure. Washing of the water of, of the word on a continual basis. But... We have to make that commitment that we want to be united, that we don't have any intention of keeping a divided heart. And so, again, just as that little cup for the child is empty, it's olly olly. When we trust God with all our heart, then there is very little, if anything, left to create a battle for self to be on the throne. And yet, you know, we do live in a world where the flesh and society would say, what about me? What about me? What about me? Jesus had a lot to say about that, except the corn of wheat fall, die and fall into the ground. Only then can it come forth and with life anew. I'd like to touch on several other questions yet this morning in this element of trusting in the Lord. Does the Bible change my thinking? In other words, we can, we can analyze what we would feel our trust would be, but the question remains, is the Scripture having its way in my heart and life to modify my, to to correct, to grow my understanding? To Am, am I okay with that? Um, Romans 12, 1 and 2, very familiar passage there. In the second verse there, it talks about, that transformation process, that metamorphosis. And, you know, an one of us, I don't think I know of anyone that doesn't enjoy seeing the beauty of a butterfly emerge from that process. But there's a very real parallel from us being earthly carnal caterpillars out munching all that's around us and God doing that work, and something emerging that reflects the image of the Creator. The butterfly, the image of the Creator, it is said in Antioch they were first called Christians. Why? Because they were the anointed ones. They were anointed with the power of the direction of the Spirit and the leading of God, it reflected that which they saw in Christ. It is through that and in that that we find strength and transforming power for the areas of life that can besiege us, young and old, and I think of the many young people here this morning. God wants you to come to where you have no greater joy than to allow Him to work His work in your life and heart. Are we okay with Him having the right to make us into His image or do we reserve the right with certain limitations to retain the form, the format, the parameters, the appearance of our own understanding? Do I favor my own understanding is the second question. Do I favor my own understanding? And I would refer you back to the verse there in Proverbs 26 that we looked at. In those elements we are less than a fool, the proverb writer would tell us. Then thirdly, the last question this morning, I would ask you, what proof is there that I fully trust in God, that I trust in the Lord with all my heart? We want to look a little bit later here um, in closing at Philippians 3 at Paul's example. But I would ask you this morning to think with me just a little bit. Now, it would be unique for any of us here. I don't think there's no one here that walked to church this morning. Is that correct? I mean, other than walking to your vehicle and walking from the vehicle to the church. But I had to think, you know, if I told you about someone that walked in a less desirable economy and country, that they walked a few kilometers to church, you would probably think, well, that shows something on their part. Would you not? You would think, that shows some devotion, that shows some commitment. But here again it, it's back to knowing what is involved. But if I went on to tell you that they walked to church to because they 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 went in the sense of joy and serving the Lord. They went there in the sense of joy with the ability to to not only experience it, but to to translate that from one language to another, to share with other people that couldn't understand what was being shared in their their um, own tongue. The other year when we were in Mexico with the seniors, we had the privilege of going back across the Copper Canyon and and getting a uh, of to visit in the Tatoamaa Indian setting and. The illustration I'm referring to is the man called Enrique, and here was a man that not only walked several kilometers to church, it involved the better part of a thousand feet in elevation, and it involved him walking like this with a stick. How many of y'all will be here tonight on foot if you had to? See some of the elements of, of the depth of our trust in the Lord manifest themselves in how deep our commitment really is. The value we place on it, the extent we commit to it, and you know, I think sometimes the question of of the proof of our trust in God, we find it harder when things are easy. Sometimes, it's very real that we can find it harder to show a manifestation of our trust in God to, um, when things are so easy as we have them. But I. Again, draw strength and challenge from the life of Paul. Philippians chapter 3. He uses the word all in his testimony. We've looked at the word all a few times here in Proverbs 3 this morning. Verses 5 and 6. But after he gave all of his credentials... In the first part of the Philippian letter, chapter 3, he says in verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. The excellency of the knowledge, to know him. The requirement for us to be able to acknowledge him in all of our ways. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And be found in him not having mine own righteousness. Which is the law. He said I want to get rid. I want to get beyond the position of a fool. I want to leave the residence of the house of a fool. I want to get beyond my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. The test of trust is being fully content to rest in death death to self and resting in, in, in God's hands. And for him it was not a once and done thing, but it's something that you and I, just as Paul did, you and I get up every day and we face the next mile of the journey. He says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which Christ for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. I think verse 15 is a fit closing comment to the challenge we face from the Proverb writer on the, the foundation of trust and full dependence on the Almighty One. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. I trust this morning that you, are, you have that desire to, to seek Him, to serve Him, to trust Him fully With all your heart, and in all your ways, we could spend a week here discussing how that impacts our ways in very practical discussions. But the most key and important thing is that you and I are open to his leading, that we give him his proper place, and that we seek his face. And we can only do that from his word, from prayer and from the leading of His Spirit.